All right. We're uh, happy to once again have Stephen Lassen on the show. Of course, a longtime writer and editor for Athlon Sports. Of course, the uh, go-to preseason college football magazine. Uh, Stephen works on that every offseason. And of course, you can follow him at Athlon Stephen. And you got to check out his podcast. It's on my rotation, the Cover 2 Podcast. Stephen, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Hey, Mike. It's always good to talk to you. I love the podcast. You know, the, uh, your your podcast is in my rotation as well. Congrats on all the success with the video thing so far. And hey, man, week week one is here. We've had games. It's time <laughs> to uh, kick this thing off. I don't know about you, but it's been a crazy offseason, and I'm just ready to get some games going. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, I'm tired of talking about a lot of these matchups, but that's exactly why I'm having <laughs> you on, because be honest, I don't know much about uh, half these programs here that are facing the SEC, so I don't like to BS the audience. So I, I had to reach out to Stephen, who I like to consider him the uh, encyclopedia of college football knowledge. So uh, again, very thankful that uh, Stephen cut out the time on this busy week to to share some info. But let's just get right into the action because we got so many games here, and of course on Thursday. We've got uh, the first SEC game kicking off here with Bowling Green traveling to Tennessee. What can you tell the listeners about uh, Bowling Green? I think the first thing of of note for Bowling Green is former Auburn assistant Scott Leffler as the head coach. And, and they had Brian Van Gorder on the staff last year. He's not on the staff anymore, uh, but just an interesting team. Uh, you know, frankly, they have not been very good under Scott Leffler, uh, three and 14 over the last two years. And to kind of sum up where this program is, the anonymous coach scouting in our magazine said last year, they looked like the very worst team in college football. So it gives you some insight if you're a Tennessee fan that this is a game that Tennessee should really dominate. We have them 128 in our projected uh, 130. They average about 11 points a game. Gave up 45 last season. Goodness. So, you know, I, I think again for this is really it's one of those games that I think for Josh Heupel in Tennessee, you know, you can kind of flex your muscles a little bit here. This is a game you should win. Put some style points on the board. I'm interested to see what Joe Milton does for Tennessee. So, all in all, if Tennessee does not win and win impressively on Thursday night it will be a major surprise. You mentioned something interesting there with Joe Milton. I, I did want to ask you your thoughts on him because I know you watched him there at Michigan. Any surprise that he was the starting quarterback? And then how do you think that he fits into Josh Heupel's offensive system? I, I was a little surprised. I thought Hendon Hooker would win the starting job. I, I think the problem, I, I think, with evaluating Joe Milton at Michigan last year is just so many things went wrong for Michigan. And, of course, it was an abbreviated season that started late. So I, I don't know whether it's fair to judge Joe Milton just specifically on what happened last season. He's got a ton of talent, though. You know, that coming out of the recruiting ranks, regarded for big-time arm strength, he can move around in the pocket. I think he is a good fit for the offense. I thought Hendon Hooker would be the guy because he can do similar things. Uh, but I think the upside of Joe Milton is worth taking a chance on for Tennessee. So I, I'm interested to see how he does. I don't think last year is necessarily reflective of his ability, but also wonder if if maybe he'll ever reach that potential that uh, was regarded coming out of high school too. Now, the only uh, noon kickoff that we'll have on Saturday, UL Monroe at Kentucky. 
What can you tell us about uh, the fighting rich rods down there? Yeah, I I, uh, I was going to say my my kind of format for this would be a little similar to the Bowling Green one. So I apologize for the negative start to the podcast here. ULM was not very good last year. We have them projected in our magazine to finish number 127. 10 losses last year, 0 and 10. They didn't lead in a single game last year and they lost nine games by double digits. But I think the interesting thing is the coaching staff. You mentioned him, Rich Rodriguez. His son, Rhett Rodriguez, is the starting quarterback now. They have a handful of transfers and Terry Bowden is their head coach. So just some interesting kind of blast from the past names. But this is a game um, for Kentucky, much like Tennessee. They should be able to dominate. And I'm interested to see uh, Kentucky's offense, you know, Liam Cohen, Will Levis, this is with, with Missouri up next. I think it's a good opportunity, uh, for Kentucky to sort of work out some of the kinks going forward. Now, uh, another interesting matchup here early in the day, Rice at Arkansas and, uh, interesting note here that I didn't realize till I heard Sam Pittman talk about it on Monday, but this will be the first time that uh, his program is ever favored in a matchup. They were underdog every single game last season. What can you tell us about the Rice Owls? I think the first thing is, if you watched Stanford in recent years, Rice is sort of similar. Uh, Mike Bloomgren is their head coach, and he came from Stanford, very similar style, very defensive and run-the-ball kind of trenches type of coach. We have them projected to finish 113 in, in conference in, in overall. And in Conference USA, you know, they're somewhere in the West Division, anywhere from four to six in that division. So they're not one of the better teams in Conference USA. They are getting better. Uh, they played it better at the end of last season. They beat Marshall, uh, who was the champion of the CUSA East Division. I think if you're looking at players, Luke McCaffrey, uh, you know, he's been around a little bit. He was at Nebraska, and he made a pit stop at Louisville earlier this offseason. So I, this, on paper, the strength of Rice's team is its defense. It's hard to see this offense being able to put up a lot of points on Arkansas. So I think if you're you're Sam Pittman, you know, like you said, being favored, uh, good opportunity for KJ Jefferson to get going, especially with Texas coming up soon. Now, big game here, nationally televised, Alabama versus Miami in Atlanta. Uh, what kind of uh, matchup are we looking at here with the Hurricanes? You know, I think Miami's a team that I have a lot of interest in this year. They're picked second by Athlon Sports in the Coastal, top 15 team, very dynamic and explosive quarterback in De'Ara King. He tore his ACL in the bowl game at the end of last season, but all signs suggest that he's healthy. And I think he's the type of player, uh, kind of the the guy that could be a, a real problem for Alabama just because he's so dynamic and he can throw the ball all over the field. He has good receivers, but you know, Alabama, of course, the, from a defensive perspective is going to be lights out this year. They're going to be one of the best defenses in the country, but if there is a type of player, you know, we've sort of seen that quarterback who can do it all, give Alabama's defense some trouble. So I think if you're, if you're an Alabama fan, you want to figure you know, if you're the defense for Alabama and you're an Alabama fan watching the game, how they contain De'Eric King is going to be really crucial. From a defensive perspective for Miami, I think Alabama can really take advantage of this group in the front seven. Linebackers have been a concern for Miami all offseason. They have a converted linebacker. Looks like he's going to start at defensive end. And DeAndre Johnson, 
uh, a guy SEC fans may remember from Tennessee mm-hmm. could either start or rotate in at defensive end. They're a little small, I think, on the edges. So I think if you're Alabama, maybe getting behind that big offensive line, Brian Robinson uh, pushing around some people up front on along the line of scrimmage, that could be a real strength. But yeah, I, I think the, the biggest thing if you're Alabama, contain De'Ara King, and I'm interested to see what Bryce Young, Bill O'Brien, some of those new weapons for Alabama looks like. Now, if I'm not mistaken – Miami's had, uh, I think, two guys in a row on maybe on the defensive line that have been high draft picks. So based on what you're saying here, it doesn't sound like they've got another guy that uh, you think could could be the next star for the Hurricanes. Yeah, I think the strength of this defense right now, and, and you're right, they've had good pass rushers at Miami the last couple of years. Their defense as a whole regressed last season, and their head coach, Manny Diaz, is taking back over the play calling duties because it regressed last season, but the strength of that defense for Miami is up front in the interior. They're, they're, they're stronger on the, at the middle than they are at the edges this year. So I think that you're going to see some guys rotate in, but I think coming into the first game of the year, I, I don't think that's a strength for Miami right now is getting guys to the quarterback. They don't have that defined uh, standout off the edge right now. Now, next game here, Louisiana tech at Mississippi state, I don't want to call it a trap game, but uh, this this seems like an interesting matchup. What are your thoughts on uh, the Louisiana Tech program? Yeah, I think, you, first of all, you're right. It is an interesting matchup. Louisiana Tech is a pretty solid team in Conference USA. You know, they should be somewhere six, seven, eight victories. Skip Holtz is, is of course, the head coach. Just kind of an, just an all-around solid program. They also, they've brought in a lot of transfers the last couple of years. Austin Kendall is going to be their starting quarterback. You may remember him. He was at West Virginia and Oklahoma mm-hmm. uh, before this. I think you know the, the thing that I'm watching from a Mississippi State perspective is year two of Mike Leach and just trying to get this offense on track. Will Rogers uh, you know, showed some signs of life at the end of last season. This is a tougher opening opponent, I think, you know, when you compare Arkansas versus Rice, Mississippi State, Louisiana Tech. Still think Mississippi State handles things here. Uh, but as far as, you know, concern, you know, tougher game, I, I think I'd much rather play Rice than Louisiana Tech. Now, Mississippi State's had some uh, issues on the offensive line last season in particular. Is there anybody or, or maybe the group as a whole, Louisiana Tech, that could, uh, you know, kind of threaten a potential weakness there for the Bulldogs? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Louisiana Tech is pretty experienced up front in the front seven on defense. But this defense, you know, one, one of the hard parts about, I think, this season and studying Louisiana Tech's defense is the, how last year's disruptions might make it difficult for us to evaluate some of these teams. And when you're looking at teams from Conference USA and how they started the season and they were disrupted for a couple games. So it, when you look at the stats for Louisiana Tech's defense, they were not very good. Uh, they gave up 35 points a game, ranked ninth in Conference USA versus the run. They do have some experience. The guys like Willie Baker, uh, Tyler Grubbs is a standout linebacker for him too. Um, but I still think that this is a, a, a defense that Mississippi State should be able to move the ball on uh, on Saturday. Now, I don't know how much stock you put into uh, you know the, the lines, particularly early in a college football season, but uh, Central Michigan at Missouri, this is the smallest line among all SEC matchups with uh, featuring a home game, of course. So, uh, you know, what's Jim McElwain and company got cooking there at Central Michigan that uh, that has got this less than a two touchdown spread? 
I was surprised at that. You know, I, I, I certainly, you know, Central Michigan is a pretty solid team from the MAC. They're not picked to win the MAC. That's either Toledo or uh, Ball State by most people. So Central Michigan's probably three or four in the MAC West. But certainly, I think most experts believe they're somewhere right around six or seven wins this year. I think it kind of goes to their experienced team. I mean, their defense is given. Uh, you know, defensively, offensively, they have some weapons at running back and receiver experience defense. The question I think for Central Michigan coming into this year is the quarterback position. Jacob Sermon is projected to be the starter. They may play a couple different quarterbacks. So, you know, I was a little surprised at that spread, but I think this is a very veteran Central Michigan team that probably won't be intimidated by the environment. But I think for Missouri with Kentucky coming up next, I think it's going to be kind of important for Connor Bazelak and Eli Drinkowitz to get that offense going. So uh, that spread may be a little low for me on Missouri. I think they handle business on Saturday. Now, Akron is uh, traveling to Auburn, the first game of the Brian Harson era. Uh, what can you tell us about, uh, I think they're called the Zips. <laughs> Sorry to uh, be negative again <laughs> here. They are 1-17 over the last two years, and they just lost their best player, uh, due to legal issues, Tion Dollard was one of the standout running backs on that team last season. They just had their best offensive lineman transfer as well. So Auburn probably not going to have too much trouble here. I think if you're watching this game just from a, a broad sense, you know, I'm curious, what does Brian Harson's team look like in his first game? What about Bo Nix? What about, you know, the offensive line? So I think this is one of those games that the Brian Harson era should get off to a good start and they should be able to put their, you know, to be able to do what they want to do offensively and build some confidence. All right, the, the game we've been talking about months and months and months, everybody's got this one circle, Georgia versus Clemson in Charlotte. Are the Tigers overrated, or do, or do you think this really is going to be a, a true heavyweight showdown? I think it's going to be a heavyweight showdown. I have to tell you, I have probably changed my mind about 25 different times on who I think is going to win this game. <laughs> uh, I, I have, first of all, I hope it lives up to the hype because I mean, you think about the implications that could be at stake here. The playoff could be at stake, you know, down the road, whichever team wins this game could have a pretty good advantage in, in the rankings later in the season, but also just the, the sheer amount of talent that's on the field. I mean, JT Daniels, um, you know, the quarterback for Clemson, DJU, who started last season, threw for over 400 yards at Notre Dame. The, you know, not to mention there's the storyline of Darian Kendrick, the mm -hmm. Clemson cornerback transferring to Georgia. So there's just there's so many fascinating uh, individual players. But then you also look at the matchups. I mean, the defensive line talent and front seven talent in this game, Clemson may have the best defensive line in college football. Georgia may not be too far behind it. Uh, also, Justin Ross, the receiver for Clemson, one of the best in the country, is back after missing last season. So I, I am just fascinated to see what happens here. I think it's going to live up to the hype, be the heavyweight matchup that we all kind of expect. I think if you're a Georgia fan, I think there's there's one there's two kind of areas to keep in mind here. Clemson struggled to run the ball last year against Ohio state. They had 44 rushing yards in the sugar bowl. Also Clemson's defense struggled with the tempo of Ohio state. And you think back to last season when JT Daniels took over and now they have a full off season to implement uh, their offense and, and kind of getting cohesion. 
you wonder if you may see some of those similar things on Saturday night. So, man, I think this is going to be a heck of a game. I mean, this is number three, number four, uh, two, three in the country. It should be a fantastic matchup. And I think the uh, over-under for that game is it's either 52 or 54. It's right around there. But uh, considering that uh, both teams look to have strong front sevens, but particularly defensive lines, and I, I don't want to call them questionable offensive lines, but maybe just offensive lines that are work in progress, it, does that factor into to how you would kind of maybe uh, handicap that that over-under number? Yeah, th- I think you're right. First of all, offensive line-wise for Clemson, I, I do think it is you know a concern. Like, how do they hold up against a very physical and deep um, Georgia front? I think on the other side of things, I mean, I, I feel good. Like, Georgia, from a talent perspective, has a lot of really talented offensive linemen. I just don't know how they all fit together as far as you know, where they all start this year. But how, how, how consistent are they going to be in the first game of the year and all that, too? It takes time to get all that group gelled together. So yeah, I think the skill talent says to me to take the, uh, take the over. But I also think when you look at the offensive line and the way that the defenses could control first game of the year. Yeah. I, th- I think the under might be a pretty strong play here. Now, next matchup here, FAU, I believe uh, Willie Taggart is the coach there now at Florida. What can you tell us about the, the Owls? Yeah. Willie Taggart is the head coach there at FAU. Also Nikosi Perry, uh, former Miami quarterback is going to be the starter for the Owls. They are one of the better teams in Conference USA's East Division. Uh, but one of the best is kind of relative here. Con- Conference USA is is you know probably ninth or tenth in the in the conference power rankings this year. We have FAU projected to finish ninety fourth. Uh, good defense, ten starters are back. Uh, they allowed you know right around nineteen points a game last year but they only scored about 19 points a game last year. So really not explosive on offense and defensively. It's really hard for that group. I think even if they can maybe win some battles early on, uh, tough for me to see them being able to hold up over four quarters. So uh, also just curious about Florida. I mean, Emory Jones, new receivers, Florida's defense. I think, uh, you know, even though, even though this one may not be close, I think I would be paying close attention to some of those things for Florida uh, on Saturday. All right, how about uh, Kent State at Texas A&M? I feel bad for Kent State going into that buzzsaw, the uh, the Aggies, man. They <laughs> the expectations are through the roof. I think uh, that fan base is expecting big things. What can you tell them about uh, their opening opponent, Kent State? So we've reached, we finally reached a team, a group of five team. I could talk, <laughs> you know, pretty positively about. Uh, you know, first of all, I think Texas A&M takes care of business here. But Kent State is one of the better teams in the MAC, and their head coach Sean Lewis is a coach you probably will hear a lot in the next couple of years about rising star. Maybe he moves up to be a coach in the Big Ten. Uh, dynamic offense too. Dustin Crum is one of the best quarterbacks at the Group of Five level. They averaged almost 50 points a game last year. The caveat being that it was only four games. It was in the MAC. They are pretty explosive. Uh, but as good as their offense is, their defense is pretty questionable too. So I don't think Texas A&M's defense will be allowing 50 points on Saturday. And I don't think Kent State's uh, defense will be able to do much to slow down Haynes King uh, or the Texas A&M offense. Now we got a taste of uh, UCLA in week zero against Hawaii. I thought uh, their running game looked pretty good. That's about all I can tell you about the Bruins. So what can you tell us, Stephen, about uh, UCLA as 
as they're set to uh, host LSU in the Rose Bowl? I think the first thing is, as a program, they are trending in the right direction under Chip Kelly. Uh, they've sort of you know, been four and eight or so the last couple of years, but it seems like they may have the pieces in place to contend for the Pac-12 South title. So they might be a little bit underrated in rankings this year. You mentioned the rushing attack, and I think I stumbled upon this just looking through last week's stats, but UCLA has won 11 games under Chip Kelly, and in, in eight of those, they've run for 200 yards or more. So that 200 yards mark, uh, rushing yards, seems to be a pretty important indicator for UCLA. So you know LSU's defense, the deep defensive line, this UCLA offensive line and ground game is already hitting on, on all cylinders. That will be a very good matchup. But I think that also gets at the broader problem for UCLA. Uh, their passing game was inconsistent last week. Their starting quarterback, Dorian Thompson Robinson, is dynamic. He can move around. I think he's better than what he showed last week. He missed some time in fall practice. So he's maybe just getting back into the flow of things. But when you study this team, they have a potentially dynamic quarterback to go with a good ground game, experienced offensive line, and their defense, especially up front, has improved. But they might be vulnerable at cornerback. And of course, that's not good news when you play Max Johnson and Kayshawn Butte. So I think if you're an LSU fan, watch the battle up front. I think if LSU can get them into third and long situations, I'm not sure that UCLA has the playmakers on the outside right now to take advantage of that. And for me, the, you know, the biggest concern for this matchup would be uh, Chip Kelly going up against Deronta Jones, who's the, the play caller for LSU now. Does that concern you at all heading into this matchup? Yeah, that's a great point. I think when you when you look, look at LSU this offseason, there's no question they got talent. They, they've got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, but how fast does it all mesh together with the new coaching staff? And so I think that's a great kind of X factor for this game. You look at LSU, the talent with Stingley and Ricks and all the guys they've got coming back up front. I would bank on the talent probably winning out here because I think LSU can get them into long yardage situations. And I just don't know that all night long UCLA can execute if it's third and seven, third and mm -hmm. eight, but it is, a, it is a chess match and, and certainly it'll be something to, to watch, but I, I will bank on talent winning out here for LSU. All right. Last big game here, Ole Miss versus Louisville in Atlanta on Monday. What can you tell us about uh, the Louisville Cardinal? I think the first thing that jumps out about this game is uh, they could be high scoring uh, Ole Miss, you know, with Matt Corral and all those weapons and, and Louisville is very capable of putting up some points. Malik Cunningham is their quarterback. He is very kind of uh, dynamic too. He can, he runs, you know, he does good with running. He also makes some plays to the air. He's going to have to have a good game for Ole Miss to, or for Louisville to win because their skill talent around him is brand new. They have new running backs. They have some new receivers. They have an experienced offensive line coming back. And also for, for Louisville, one positive last season is if you look at their record, they didn't seem very good on paper, but the underlying metrics, they had some bad luck with turnovers. They had some really poor field position all year, but their metrics on defense improved. So they have a improving defense to go with a quarterback who can kind of take over uh, a game potentially 
if he's playing at the level he did in 2019. 2020 was not the year for Malik Cunningham. So I think there there's some potential here for a shootout. I just, you know, I just, it's really hard for me to see Louisville, even with a better defense, being able to slow down uh, this Ole Miss offense. There are just weapons everywhere. So I, I like Louisville to be better this year on, on paper. We've got them projected to finish fifth in the ACC Coastal, Atlantic, sorry, anywhere in the Atlantic after you get past uh, Clemson is pretty much a toss up. So they're, they're pretty solid six, seven, eight win type of team. Uh, but think that they will have their hands full on Monday night. Now, I didn't want to ignore the other two matchups, but I also <laughs> don't want to ask about uh, Eastern Illinois, whoever the heck that is, and, and ETSU. But uh, does anything in those matchups, even if it's, uh, you know, we both are, live here in Nashville, even if it's focused on Vanderbilt or South Carolina, but uh, anything you'll be looking for from the, the debuts of Clark Lee and, and Shane Beamer? I think for Shane Beamer, I mean, you know, I, I know you'll talk a ton about the quarterback situation <laughs> for South Carolina, man. What a fascinating story. Zeb Nolan, who's been at Iowa State, North Dakota State, and is now the starting quarterback at South Carolina. But Eastern Illinois was 1-11 in 2019. And yes, South Carolina has some quarterback uncertainty. I think they'll take care of business, though. And uh, on the other side for Vanderbilt, you know, this is one of those games where Vanderbilt, the expectations are pretty low this year, and rightfully so. They're, you know, winning three games with three or four games would probably be a good season for them. Uh, but, you know, some style points in the opener, a chance to make an impression against an FCS opponent would be a good start for Clark Lee. Interesting, uh, Mike, you know, Randy Sanders is the head coach at East Tennessee State. They were four and two in the spring season. If the name Randy Sanders rings a bell, that's the former Tennessee. Uh, offensive coordinator and of course he's been at Kentucky and, and Florida State so mm-hmm. uh, another blast from the past there from uh, from the SEC. Well Stephen I really appreciate uh, all this information we're able to hit on all 14 SEC teams or at least their opponents and uh, man like I said you sir are an encyclopedia of college football knowledge so uh, there was literally no one else that I wanted to have on to to run down this uh, this gauntlet. Well, you can't really call it a gauntlet, but uh, this slate <laughs> of games we got in the SEC week one. So I, I really do a thank you. Hey, hey, man, anytime. It was a pleasure and uh, look forward to uh, catching up soon during the year.